0: Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: I don't have to carry the burden anymore of somehow trying to earn God's approval. Christ paid it. I don't have to worry ever again about the possibility of going to hell because Christ has saved me. Christ paid it. Is there freedom in Christ? The short answer to that is
0: Yes free in christ that's a great statement and a great truth for those who know jesus christ as their personal savior because of christ's sacrifice we understand that we are free from the penalty and power of sin over our lives but is our freedom unrestricted
1: since there is freedom in christ because i'm set free in christ does that mean that i'm free then to basically do whatever i i want to do short answer to that is no.
0: Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today in our series, Crossroads, we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where the Apostle Paul is going to discuss Christian liberty. Earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul had addressed various false teachings and ideas that had infiltrated the church.
1: Paul's already dealt with the antinomians who said, hey, we're saved by grace, you're set free in Christ, Uh, your body, you're leaving that behind anyway, so just do whatever you want with your body. And he's already dealt with the ascetics who said, oh, the body is bad, the body is terrible, the body is unredeemable, so don't do anything that would bring your body pleasure. He's already dealt with both of those things and those, those false ideas. So in chapter 8, he's kind of bringing together this overall idea of what does it mean to have this liberty in Christ.
0: Today, we're going to see in chapter 8 that Paul wants us to understand that while there is liberty in Christ, that doesn't mean that we are unrestricted. Here's Pastor Clay to explain. Bye.
1: Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to start with this one overarching idea that we're starting with today, and that looks like this. Christian liberty should be restricted by Christian love. Now, let's see what happens. First Corinthians uh, chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he is not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world, and and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and and many lords, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through Him. Notice the equality there between the Father and the Son. Verse 7, however, not all men have this knowledge, or do not have it perhaps to the same degree as others, but some being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not commend us to God, and we are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, you that have knowledge... Dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so, by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Okay, all right, what do we got here? Let's talk about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, looking at this whole idea of what's what's going on and all that sort of thing. And as we as we dive into, right from the very beginning, we run smack dab into another... By the way, do you know that smack dab is actually a, a word? It's actually a term? Well, I looked at, as, I, as I was writing out my manuscript, I, I thought, smack dab. Well, people who know what that means... But sure enough, it's in Webster's Dictionary. So that's the thing. Anyway, we run smack dab into another one of those those cultural uh, actions that, for us, seem to have no relevance, seem to have no uh, connection. Because I, I freely confess to you, I do not get to the grocery store a lot. But the last time I checked, Food Lion. Harris Teeter, Publix, not even Whole Foods or Lidl's has a section in their meat department labeled fresh idle meat. <laughs> so we, we we look at something like this and, and we say, oh, okay, I don't, I don't get that. Just, there's no connection for that to me. We, we, don't, we, don't, we, we don't eat meat sacrifice to idols anymore and, and that's true in the culture in which we live today there are places in the world that could still be a concern uh, and we forget about that we 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 think that that's all about us and just right here but we, we we run into these situations where again we think okay that's not but what i've said earlier and what i keep saying about this is that the the cultural custom vary from time to time or place to place but the biblical truth never does you you, you, could, look it, you could look at it this way. Uh, cultural practices may change, but the biblical principles never do. And there's a there's an underlying biblical principle that comes through even in this whole discussion on whether I can eat meat sacrificed to idols or not. Now, Paul starts out by by saying there up early in the chapter that that we all have knowledge. In other words, on this subject, essentially what he's saying is we understand that that everybody that's a follower of Christ has has the knowledge or has the concept that there's really only one God. There's, there's really only one uh, true God. But he indicates not everybody may not understand or comprehend or have, have uh, made that truth such a, a an part of their life that, 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 that they just understand it and, and they can deal with it and they understand the whole meat sacrifice to idols and all that kind of stuff is not a problem. What you and I have to remember is that the ancient world is running over with false gods, idols, temples all over the place earlier in the in the book, we already discussed uh, the temple of Aphrodite, the great this magnificent temple to Aphrodite the the uh, the, the god of of uh, of fertility and, and, uh, and love and, and the the practice of the Corinthians and, and whoever came into town to uh, to to worship Aphrodite by paying to have sex with a temple prostitute that was just one of many temples to many gods there were myth there were roman mythological gods there were greek mythological gods there were local regional there's gods for everything there's pantheistic they're, they're everywhere there's gods for everything there's temples for everything and virtually all of those gods all of those idols all of those temples virtually all of them had some type of animal sacrificial system and so just from the sheer quantity, from the sheer amount of it, some of the meat from the animals sacrificed on those altars would make their way into the marketplace or make their way into a uh, a temple social setting, essentially a, a restaurant idea where people could come in and could eat some of the meat that's freshly prepared for them. Just the sheer amount of it caused that to happen. And so this 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 meat offered up to idols is going to be a problem. You can tell based on this statement, now concerning, you notice where Paul says that again, he said that several times, now concerning, he's responding to a question that the Corinthians had, and the Corinthians had the question about meat sacrificed to idols. Should we eat meat sacrificed to idols? Clearly, uh, it's, a, it's a source of discussion, of debate, probably of discord, between the Corinthians, because as we've already seen throughout the letter, the Corinthians seem to love to fight. I mean, they seem to love to fight and argue about pretty much everything. I'm, I'm glad churches don't have that problem anymore. Aren't you, churches, don't have that have that problem? And, and so, uh, Paul, either because of what they've written, or maybe they said it expressly, or he anticipates in the question, Paul is going to deal with this idea of whether it's okay to eat Meat sacrificed to idols. He says everybody already has some knowledge of this idea, and and so uh, this this idea that that okay yeah there's really only one God I get that and all that kind of stuff. They grasp the concept that that there's really only one God, and so in a sense there's liberty. Even the the new believer, which is really I think who Paul is is, is referring to here as the weaker brother. By the way, it's not an insult. He's simply saying the person who perhaps is not. As mature, in a sense, as some other person might be, they they would understand that theologically there's liberty in Christ, right? They, okay, I understand. I, I've I've been set free in Christ. Jesus paid it. I I don't I don't have to carry the burden anymore of of somehow trying to earn God's approval. Christ paid it. I, I don't have to worry ever again about about the possibility of going. ...to hell because Christ has saved me. Christ paid it. Theologically, they understand. And, and we can say, praise God, hallelujah, j- jump a pew. Theologically, there's liberty in Christ. But what about practically? In other words, what about in the everyday application of my life? Okay, theologically, I understand. I'm set free in Christ. But what about practically? Here's this practical thing with this whole meat stuff. What about practically speaking, the everyday occurrences of my life? Is there freedom in Christ? The short answer to that is yes. Since there is freedom in Christ, because I'm set free in Christ, does that mean that I'm free then to basically do whatever I I want to do? The short answer to that is no. See, Paul's already dealt, y'all know this if you've been coming, Paul's already dealt with the antinomians who who said, hey, uh, we're saved by grace, you're set free in Christ, Uh, your body, you're leaving that behind anyway, so just do whatever you want with your body. And he's already dealt with the ascetics who said, "Oh, the body is bad. The body is terrible. The body is unredeemable. So don't do anything that would bring your body pleasure." He's already dealt with both of those things and those those false ideas. So in chapter here in chapter eight, here in chapter nine, he's kind of bringing together this overall idea of what does it mean to have this liberty in Christ. What what can I do? And as I said, Paul anticipates that this this stuff with the meat is a problem for the. The, the corinthian church and so he gives some warnings about this liberty that you and i have in christ and the first warning looks like this watch out for your greater knowledge leading to arrogance watch out for your greater knowledge because you're a little more mature or maybe you're a little farther, farther down the road in your relationship to christ watch out that it doesn't lead to arrogance in your life now watch what he says i'm going to read it uh from the, from the screen. Now, As concerning food offered to idols. We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge produces arrogance, but love edifies. So if anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, as yet he ought to know. You understand what he's saying there? If anybody begins, oh yeah, I've got this down. And Paul says, no, you don't got it down. If that's what you think, you don't got it down. He knows nothing yet, as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, the one is known this one is known by him. So concerning the eating of foods that are offered in sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For there are those who are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as, they are, as there are many gods and many lords. But for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things and for whom we exist, and there is one Lord Jesus Christ to whom we are all things and through whom we exist." paul says we all have this knowledge we all understand there's really only one god and so in that sense yes you're right there's no the 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 meat is just the meat it's just it's just food it, food is not what qualifies us to god or unqual- disqualifies us from god or that, that's that's really not matter and and some of you have really gotten a hold of that idea but 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 watch out watch out that that your knowledge, that this idea that, oh, I, I'm set free in Christ, I, none of this stuff on earth, none of this stuff I do, none of this can bother, me. watch out that it doesn't lead to, to arrogance is the way it's translated in the New American Standard. In, in Greek, the word is phusio. It means to, to puff up or, or to be puffed up. And, and that's what pride, that's what arrogance does. It puffs us up. And we're going to get to the solution here in, in just a minute, but already in verses 1 and 3, he's already saying love is the solution. Love is the solution to the pride that wants to puff you up. Pride puffs up, love builds up. And it is always God's desire, listen to me ladies and gentlemen, it's always God's desire that the body of Christ would be built up and not puffed up. So he says, watch out. Watch out that that your knowledge and the fact that that you have this, that 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 doesn't become a source of, of, of pride and arrogance for you. And look what I, oh, I, I've, I've got this down, I've got this figured out. Uh, y- y'all may not understand this, this may be a problem for y'all, but I have no problem with it. Watch out, watch out for that. And then there's a second one in here. He says, says watch out for your net less knowledgeable brother or sister. Let's read that part in verse 7. However, not all men have this knowledge. But some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. But food will not commend us to God. We're neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, Be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols. For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined. The brother for whose sake Christ died. In in this instance, when I say watch out, I don't mean watch out like I did for arrogance. In this case, I mean watch out. Watch out for them. Take care for them. Make it your mission to protect your brother or sister in Christ. And, and it's my conviction that he's referring to those who are probably newer in their faith, probably have not been walking with Christ as long. Now, I should say that some people believe that the Apostle Paul is actually talking about people who have not even gotten saved yet. But for me, the fact that Paul uses the term brother rules that uh, that possibility out for me. I think that Paul is talking about those who have come into a relationship with Christ. Theologically, they they may not know a lot yet, but they know that Jesus Christ has died to pay for their sins. They know that he has called us to follow him. If they come out of a Jewish background, which many of the earlier early believers did, if they come out of a Jewish background, then they certainly know the Ten Commandments. They certainly would have known Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. So they're new in their faith. They're young. They're excited about following Christ and, and, and following him. So imagine imagine their struggle. Put your... Self in their shoes i realize we don't eat meat but put yourself in their shoes imagine the confusion for them as they're as they're walking down the street one evening and they pass by one of these uh, local temple diners and they hear a voice inside and and it's it's the voice that they recognize it's the voice of a uh, of a brother or sister in christ they hear them laughing inside or saying something or whatever in this social setting in this restaurant type place and and they and they peek in and, and sure enough What's 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 Clay doing in, in in the in the in the temple of Apollo? What, what's Clay doing in there? He peeks in just as I'm taking a big hunk of uh, t-bone steak fresh off the fresh off the grill and the altar. Well, what what, what, what what's, what's what's Clay doing in there? Or they're in the marketplace and they see you buying some meat that they know was sacrificed to a to a false god yesterday, and they know that you know that it was sacrificed to a god yesterday. Wow. I don't know is that is that right should we as followers of Jesus man I'm new at all this stuff but should should we really be partaking in, in all this kind of stuff I I'm, I'm not really sure you see where the confusion might lie in some of that in some of that idea of of what's going on now like I said that they, they probably know they certainly should know theologically that well there's really no other god I've learned that that Christ is the only way that there's one true God and and they should know that. But, but this false God is such an intricate part of their past, such an intricate part of the culture in which they live. And so for them, the, the, the very idea of eating that meat brings this idea of these false gods rushing back into their life and the lifestyle that would go with that false God. And so they 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 can't. They can't eat it without thinking about this God and, and thinking about that lifestyle and thinking about how, how life was. And, and you understand? Paul says, man, watch out for them. Because they look up to you. They respect you. They know you've been a believer a lot longer than, than they have. They, they've heard you quote scripture. They've listened to you pray when the church has gathered together. They've even seen you lift your hands in praise as you were singing songs. So, well, I... I don't know, but if Clay thinks it's okay to eat it, it must be okay to eat it. Here's the thing. Paul says it is okay. Paul says there's nothing about the meat. It's just food. It's neither good, it's neither bad. That's not what commends us to God or or disconnects us to God in any way. It's just food. It it really doesn't matter. But what does matter is my brother, my weaker brother brother again not an insult he's just not spiritually at that place yet where he's where he's been set free from some of that stuff what what should be my concern what i should be watching out for is for my brother do you understand what he's saying that's what's more important and so here's here's what this leads to here's the solution love leads you away from selfish sin this is the solution to the arrogance it's love love leads you away from selfish sin so now watch what paul says look at this now in verse 12 he says, and so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Now, it's not stated here, but I think that it is implied that the the, the older, the more mature brother or sister in Christ is aware that their insistence on their right, their liberty, they are aware that that is caught being a stumbling block to their weaker brother. They're conscious of it. They're aware that it is, but, so what? That's their problem. That's not my problem. I'm fine if, if I want to eat at McZeus's. I, I like five God's hamburgers. That's their problem. That's not my problem. You see? Watch out. Watch out for that knowledge that you think you've gained because you've been set free from this. Watch out that it doesn't become a stumbling block For your brother. Because that's exactly what Paul says there in verse 12. You've actually. Because of my insistence on my liberty. My right. As a follower. I can eat that meat. There's nothing wrong with it. Because of that. I've actually sinned against that weaker brother or sister. And. Sinned against God. Not because I ate the food. That's clear. That's not the problem. It's because of my insistence that I have the right to eat the food. To eat the meat. That's the problem. Do You see. Love leads us away from selfish sin, making uh, decisions, uh, thoughts, all of that stuff, taking them captive and saying, no, no, what is in the best interest of my brother or my sister? That's what matters. This is what the the modern church in America often misses, ladies and gentlemen, the connection that all of us have, the connection that you and I have. We're all together. We're all part of this. We, all, we may be different. We may be different ages, different uh, ethnic backgrounds, different... Uh, likes different wants but if we're in christ we are all one and the concern should be for all others and we lose that in america because of our independence and our and our liberty and our our freedoms so so it leads us away from selfish sin and here's what else love does finish it up love leads you toward selfless sacrifice leading you away from where God doesn't want you to be. And leading you to actually to where he wants you to be. What exactly is the picture of Christianity. Verse 13. Look at how it finishes. Therefore if food causes my brother to stumble. I will never eat meat again. So that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Wow. You know people that think that being a Christian is easy. Oh it's nothing to be a Christian. People that think that. Don't have a clue. Of what it actually means to be a Christian. Because. Because. Much of the Christian life is a life of sacrifice, a call to sacrifice. And that's hard. Can we say that? It's hard for me to, to give up my way or my rights or my wants. But that's what happens with God's type of love. It'll lead us toward a selfless, denying ourselves, a selfless sacrifice. But, but it's not fair. Why do I have to eat a bean burger just because this lady can't get over the fact that it's meat sacrificed to an idol? Watch out. Watch out for that knowledge that leads to arrogance. Oh, and besides, what has fair got to do with it anyway? Aren't you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you, do you remember what the Apostle Paul said to the church In Rome, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. I'm not sure that sacrifices have any rights. Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. There's your true worship. Do you remember what he said to the church in Galatia? Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. I've been, aka, I've been put to death with Christ. And it's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, yeah, I'm still here, I'm still alive, but now I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Translation, I'm living for him, not for me. My rights don't matter. Do you remember what he said just a couple of chapters back in the same letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? All this talk of temples and sacrifices... Look at how it comes home for the follower of Jesus. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and that you are not your own? For you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. Well, how can I do that? By selfless sacrifice. By putting your brother or your sister who may be struggling in this area, may, may have difficulty in this area, by putting their priority first. By by by. By not allowing them to, to stumble or be damaged or be ruined. The, the idea being not, not ruined in the sense that they fall from grace. That's impossible for a follower of Jesus Christ. But ruined in the sense that their, their, their walk with Christ has been derailed. They, now they're, they're caught up in this whole idol thing. And should I eat this meat? Or what does this meat mean? Or oh, I'm taking a bite. Oh, that, that, I, I, selfless sacrifice means to let go of all of that kind of stuff. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, clay, 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 clay. I get it. But come on. You said it yourself at the very beginning. There aren't a lot of idols around here. There aren't a lot of false temples around here. Some, maybe not too many, but there there aren't many animal sacrifices. I'm probably not going to have to worry about uh, whether the meat I I bought is is from an idol or not. I I just don't, what is is the takeaway for me? What does it mean for me and, and, and my life? Here's what it means. It means the priority of the other. The priority of the other, whatever the situation or the case might be, and and you, and and it might vary from life to life or situation to situation, but the but the realization that that if if I do this because I believe I can or I'm all right or I'm set free in Christ or I have whatever, but there's the potential to cause my brother over here to misunderstand or to stumble or to, to have a problem with this or to lead him into something that that that, that I sh- shouldn't is not going to be good for them, then I just won't do it. Now, let me just say this. That doesn't mean that Paul never ate meat again. Maybe he didn't. He certainly didn't if he was ever around anybody that struggled with this idea of eating meat sacrificed to idols. I don't know. But the point is, what Paul is saying is, is the other person, their their spiritual vitality in Christ is more important than my liberty in Christ. Christian liberty should be restricted of my own choice, by the way. Christian liberty should be restricted by Christian love. It keeps us, leads us away from selfish sin and leads us toward selfless sacrifice. And when we get that, man, we're a long ways toward who God has designed us to be.
0: Selfless sacrifice. If you think about it, that is the life we're called to as followers of Jesus Christ. And as Pastor Clay explained today, it is the overarching principle that guides even our liberty in Christ. Certainly, eating meat sacrificed to idols is not a big concern in our culture today, but the biblical principle of putting my brother's or sister's needs ahead of my rights or liberty is a principle that never changes. We invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather each week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere to celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about a relationship. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens. And the most energetic, fun, and safe kids program around. Find out more at crossculture.church. Oh. Cross Culture Church in North Raleigh, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.